crops were just kind of an experiment of like, yeah, they tell me we're supposed to try it. When they were trying to teach me about cover crops, I was still pretty conventional. So in a matter of from 2015 to now, we had still used the moldboard plow at some point in this time frame. So that's how fast we've evolved. We went from trying cover crops to we have 60 inch corn out there with such a massive, massive cover crop inside that if the ears fell off and the corn stayed standing, feed value alone would be the profit out there. We've got AUM credit in that 60 inch corn. Well, not even an AUM credit because people will argue like that's mythical because you can fudge AUMs all you want sure. on the calculator, but days off of feed are real because that's bales that you're not feeding. That 60 inch corn, the minute I put the cows out there, there will be grazing until there's too much snow. They will not run out of feed. So we went through a pretty hard drought this summer. So it was supposed to be a nice stand of buckwheat and Italian ryegrass and vetch turned into foxtail. Foxtail, lamb's quarter, like the dry weather a whole lot better. I mean, that foxtail is up to your waist. It's so big, it lodged down. There is a hay crop. There is a full scale hay crop in that 60 inch corn. And that 60 inch corn looks just as good as the conventional corn across the road. And it looks just as good as the 30 inch corn right next to it. And so like, how does this work? Something's happening in our soil. And so now we're to the point, we brought cattle back even, cause we used to be dairy. So now we brought beef cattle back because that's cattle for retired cattle people raise beef. <laughs> Don't quote that, but because they're an integral part of it. We're at nine cows. We got five ringer heifers to get bred here in the next couple of weeks to really grow our herd next year. And there's another four or five new heifers out on pasture with mom right now. We retail the meat direct to friends and family. So what we're doing now is we're bringing back pastures. You drove by it on the corner. Yeah, yeah. So we're trying to stay a little higher legume content on our pastures. And I want to move my cover cropping to more perennials with legumes and eventually get to the point that strip till might have herbicide with it. Instead of doing a full burn down, we just burn down what the strip till does or put the residual where the strip till is and we leave the legumes and grasses, perennials grow in between and we take advantage of everything they have to offer. That's where we'll get to in another couple years. So that's how fast this thing is moving. And the other part is that fence is gonna keep working this way. So they only get that pasture for a couple years. That first pasture, we're gonna keep up there a little longer because that soil just needs manure so bad. So I put bales out there, you see, because I want them to once in a while go to there to get extra manure in them spot. And what they don't poop, the hay decomposing will yep. become that manure too. And then eventually we get to the point that every couple of years, the cows move just like another crop. I don't know if we'll ever, ever, ever get to the point where the cows move year to year, but if they're here for two years, whoop, next year they come here, follow them with a grass or a corn that take advantage of all the nitrogen credits. Corn is a fantastic, I love corn for our soil. It sucks because there's not much price, but at the same point, if we're following cows or legumes on $3 corn, if our cost is 220, that's good corn. But on $3 corn right now, most everybody's cost is 301 or 320 or 350. That's not good corn. We tried low population beans. We did some no-till low pop beans behind the barn here the other year in 18. And the neighbors said, how did that turn out? How did that turn out? I said, man, that cash flowed awesome. Just awesome. We went to hundred and normal around here. They told me for no-till, all the seed companies like, yeah, you need to stay up at 170. I'm like, oh, okay. And at first I believed them. And then it's to the point like, well, how do you know? 
as I started moving down this soil health journey, the biggest thing I learned was start to question the status quo. So you go to these seed sales things and they're like, well, if you're gonna try no-till, you really gotta up that population because your germination is gonna be so bad. Well, why would my germination be bad? Well, just cause you know, the soil's different and blah, 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 blah. The first couple of years you're like, oh, it makes sense. Then after a while you're like, you can't even back that statement up with the slightest lie, let alone a fact. Like if you would have said like, oh, because of grub or wireworm or things we had issues with, but we easily controlled it. If they would have said something like that, then you would have been like, oh, well, that makes sense. But once you started questioning them and they couldn't answer, then you're like, oh, okay. Okay, we're done here. Great conversation. Let's have a beer sometime, but we're done talking shop. Yeah. And so when I told them, ah, cash flowed great, it just bothered them. Just bothered them that I didn't talk in yield because nobody talks cash flow. And that's my whole thing of this. Like, aren't we putting dollars in? So shouldn't we talk dollars out? I always joke with people that all your neighbors claim and brag these big, huge yields up. So shouldn't they be bragging about money next year? Instead of being like, oh yeah, you know, every fall, oh, 200 bushel corn, 200 bushel corn. Great, the next spring, they ought to be like, thank God we had all that corn because look at all this money, a new tractor, new do it, do No. Next spring, they're right back to, markets suck. What are we going to do this year? Well, I thought the last five years of big corn yeah. made you a lot of money, but apparently 200 bushel don't make you money when it costs you 201. And the banker don't care. No banker has ever been like, oh, you got 30 bushel above average? Well, debt pardon. Like, no, great. You should be able to pay ahead of time. Borrow more money. But it don't work that way. No, it's funny. And so now we pick up new land and you go in with the soil health methods. Maybe the field needs a rollover with a moldboard. We're not here to judge. You're just here to, what does this field need? It's different than that field and how it needs to be managed because maybe it's got a dry spot or that field's flat and puddles. This field runs off, that kind of thing. But we still just manage that field and right off the top, reduce the tillage as best we can. And so these old sod fields that we're picking up, they're already nice and smooth. So you walk out there, there's no reason to till it because it's smooth. You take a soil probe, you push the soil probe down there. Well, there's no reason to till it because there's no compaction. The thing has already had all these years of mineralization. It isn't the healthiest of soil because it's always been mowed. It's just because it hasn't had tillage doesn't mean it's soil health. And yeah, they do okay. They do okay. But nobody understands. Everybody's like, how's that yield? And so you tell them on the corn, like, yeah, that field went like 140. And they're just like, oh, yeah, no way of making that. And I'm like, well, what'd your field do across the road? Well, the field across the road did like 155. I'm like, yeah, so I made more money. Whoa, how? Because I'm like, well, on $3 corn, the first 20 bushels that you got went to pay for your tillage. After that, we're both pretty equal. But, oh, I forgot to say on the strip till thing, once we saw how AMS responded, so then we moved our nitrogen program to the sprayer and we started banding with the sprayer with just some cheap homemade Y drops. And that really brought that no-till up. I don't know, is it because if we take this sod, we terminate it, and if we broadcast, is that two inches of all them roots absorbing all that nitrogen and holding it and using it for life and not getting it to our corn? But all I know is by banding that nitrogen next to that corn, oh boy, does it take off. An old LND, someday it'd be nice to have a fancy one. But yeah, the drop hoses are still hanging on them. I just took 3 8 fuel line and duct taped it into an X and that made a Y drop. That was another big learning thing is moving from conventional till to no till was our timing application. We had to be a lot more early on timing because we lost 
that CO2 release and that flush of nutrients from tillage, we lost that. So on the no-till, while we're transitioning, I'm going back to in-furrow. I try to go in somewhere fairly early with the first pass, you know, V2, V3 with the side dress, and then go back in V4, V5, two, three weeks later and finish it. I wouldn't mind doing it all in one pass other than it seems like the management of it. To drive over there to do a field once today, one trip or two trips today, and then in a couple of weeks you get caught up on other chores, you do another couple of trips, and so it works really good to be flexible. As long as we have it all on before V6, V7, we're doing good. There really isn't a perfect schedule. V2, V3 we start, and depending on the weather and just depending how it goes in a perfect world you get two things but sometimes it drags boy i'll tell you what when you had strip till with some urea and ams and then we did the amthio 28 percent that corn was as green as grass going into fall like you look at the corn across the road where they put in all their nitrogen ahead of planter that corn this time of year starts firing on the bottom and over the next several weeks you'll see it really start to yellow fast that other corn was just green as grass so then i'm starting to think basic math if by banding versus broadcast we have 70 percent better coverage you got an easy 70 percent wasted space because out of a 30 inch row you got a plant on each side well each plant only has a five inch root zone coming in so that means you still have 20 inches of kind of wasted space that's kind of what i'm saying two-thirds so it was 60 percent wasted so i haven't tried it yet but does that mean our nitrogen is 30 40 50 percent more effective in a band so can we pull back 30%, can we pull back 40%? Do we dare pull back 60%? I think it'd be pretty cool to start trying now that we're getting some confidence. So this past year, we're trying to fine tune or learn how to do better with steers on grazing. So we had steers out here in 18 with some legumes and grasses. And then last year we put corn out here. So we did 25, 50, 75 and 100% of recommended nitrogen rate. The 25% applied still made 75% yield. Now it, it didn't cash flow as good as, cause we always get a good bang for the buck on nitrogen. But the fact that 25% of applied nitrogen made that good of a crop, if we would have went across the road and done a full tillage program, put corn in and full herbicide program, but only put in 25% of our nitrogen at the pre-plant, well, even as a side dress, that corn would have been miserable little it would have been nothing. Not this big, beautiful crop. There's the proof in our own mind that the covers, the cattle, crop rotation is where our money's gonna be and how we're gonna be here. And then cereals, we brought back small grains. So this was my first year really trying a large scale of cereal rye and it's miserable because everybody else thought the same thing. Because Wisconsin's mandated for cover crops right across the river here. So this spring, the co-ops were begging for winter rye, $7 a bushel, $7 a bushel. All right, I had all this winter rye that I was just gonna roll down and put beans and corn into. Well, on $7 rye, like who in their right mind would terminate that crop? Well, apparently everybody thought the same thing because when we combine the rye and I started calling the co-ops, they're like, we're full, we're full. The Twin Cities are full. The little elevators up here are full. In Wisconsin, they're full. 
but hopefully in a couple of weeks when guys start, we're still two to three weeks ahead of the rye season. Hopefully when they get going, then maybe some seed can start moving. Yeah, what do you do, you know? A lot of our P and K source is coming from the manure. Just because of how animals rotate, we want to keep the steers a little separate from the cows for right now because we're still trying to learn this whole finished beef on grass and covers. So until we get that more perfected. So we got manure coming off the feedlot and we got turkey manure. So we can apply turkey manure as our P and K source and just take advantage of some of the nitrogen credits. But otherwise we've really reduced commercial purchase P and K and the crops are still doing good. You listen to these Dave Brants and Gabe Browns and we pick up a granule of soil and we can say, yup, in eighth grade science, they told us that's made out of phosphorus and potassium and 25 other minerals or whatever it is. So why not let soil life secrete acids and make that available to my plant? versus go buy P and K every year, this is where it really, you chuckle because the definition of insanity through the modern farmer, name the disease, white mold, SCN, corn rootworm. We had SCN out here, we didn't, but the example, they had it here last year. So next year they'll put beans out here again and they'll find maybe some more SCN resistant or white mold resistant. But otherwise they're still doing the same tillage program. They're still doing the same bean program, the same row spacing, maybe population a little bit. They're still going out with fungicides, trying to beat this thing back or a neonicticide trying to beat this thing back. And they spend all these dollars on these treatments, but it never fixes it. And so I always chuckle like, well, you just spent 30 bucks an acre on a fungicide program to help you with white mold. Oh yeah, that's great. Oh yeah. Two years later, they got to do it over again. And I'm like, well, why? Why? I don't understand where this logic of, oh, look at fungicides and bean and corn when you don't even see a problem, just a broad acre fungicides. Oh yeah, page seven bushel. Well, instead of celebrating the fact that a fungicide gets you seven bushel a year, what's the cause? Why? Why are you getting a bang for your buck on fungicides? And this is hilarious because back in 9, 10, 11, I was the biggest corn college TV egg PhD fan. Most guys had Farrah Fawcett on their wall <laughs> and I had Ken Ferry. Can't wait for the next episode. Dad and I would, da, 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 egg PhD is on. And now you question them people like, you people are screwy in the head. What you'd speak of makes zero sense. Let's be honest, the Hefty brothers like to talk so much about how they try stuff on their farm, this and that. If they were honest, agronomy, soil people, they would see the strip-till and no-till making the best dollar. If you took away the Case IH sponsorships, if you took away the Syngenta sponsorships and just left them on their own, like, you're doing this, one of these has to keep you afloat. I guarantee that after they've done as many years of no-till and strip-till, I guarantee they wouldn't go back to full tillage. Nobody would. We had a guy over west of here and they were complaining like, yeah, I don't know how we're gonna make any money and blah, 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 as they're turning the soil black out there. They're stressed on time to beat the next rain with the tillage. They're stressed on labor. They're stressed on horsepower and on prices. And I said, well, park that thing. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you got $65 an acre to get that field ready to plant. Was the field smooth this spring? Well, yeah. I'm like, okay, so what are you doing? Well, we have to warm and dry it. Oh, okay, has the soil ever been colder in June than it was in May? Well, no. All right, so what are you warming and drying here? We warm and dry for planting window in May and June, and then we spend the rest of June, July, and August crying for rain and cool temperatures. Like, what the crap here, people? And I told them, I'm like, why don't you guys just go to strip till? 
primary tillage, fertility application, finishing passing, all in one shot. Instead of one tractor doing that, one tractor doing that, the three of them trying to scatter. And they're like, yeah, and the one brother, he's, oh yeah, that stripto don't work here. Really? So you can pull a disc gang in front of a shank, in front of a finisher with a harrow, and then chase that with a fertilizer cart and chase it with a finisher. That works here, but you can't pull an implement that has a coulter that drops fertilizer with almost an identical shank and with a little miniature finishing system. Like your seed can tell the difference between this worked in fluffed soil versus that worked in fluffed soil. I'm like, wow, that is really phenomenal. I've never heard of seed being able to tell the difference on them two systems. The brother and the nephew both look at him and start laughing. They start laughing and he's just like, you smart ass. I'm like, I'm just asking. I am just asking, like, how does that seed know that he's got 20 inches of nice, stable, rich, healthy soil before he sees the next seed in the next row versus the seeds that know that the whole field's black so we can do our best. He couldn't answer it. He couldn't answer it. And I, I just don't understand. Like, there's so many people around here that have wonderful nutrient management equipment whether it's Montag boxes or other types of fertility management, but then they're still applying it as a broadcast unit. And it's just like, you are so close. There was a couple brothers that strip till. They're 80 and 81 over in Cosmos, Minnesota. Funny brothers. They are not the picture of hell. Like when you see most people, like a 75 year old guy, you're like, oh wow, you look really spry for your age. When you saw these two guys, you're like, are you sure you're only 80? <laughs> Such wonderful guys. They had a little tiny plane, they still fly, but they strip till. And I did not know that. And so we were talking, they were talking combines with us. And so, well, with your guys' muck out here, I don't know if the big tires would be better. They looked at me and they're like, what muck? We strip till. You do, do you? I says, what kind of strip till unit? And they said, well, across the Gladiator. Oh boy. The salesman, he knows what I think of soil health. And he's just like, I'm done. You three are now going to talk for a couple hours. I'm just going to sit here. I was just like, nice. So then I played 20 questions with yeah. them. And out there, it's hilarious because out there, that soil is so mucky in the spring because it has no structure. It's unhealthy. It just balls to the planter. And so they do fall applied P and K no spring freshening. They said it grays up just fine in the spring, right behind the planter, it grays up so fast. And it's just like, that is so awesome to hear out there. That was pretty cool. In furrow, we'll use whatever the local co-ops can get, like a ProGerm, your 624-6, or whatever the hot trend is for the year. I would like to try, if I ever had time, I would like to try shutting that off and taking that $25 and buying an extra, well, you'd have buck 80 a gallon, 12, 15 gallons of 28%, and add an extra keep the dollars the same, but make up the difference in 28%. And see, did the 28% make more money than the inferro? That's where I'd like to go. Now on our healthy soil, when we were doing full tillage, if you had an inferro issue, you would see it the next spring in the residue. On sod, taken over an old sod field, you can see the second you have inferro trouble. But on ground that's had soil health, cover crops and intercropping, that inferro doesn't quite show up like that anymore. I don't get it. Five years ago, this field, if we had corn and you 
flicked it on and off, you would see that spot 55 miles an hour from the road driving by. Last year, the other we had corn on there, you couldn't tell whatsoever. So that really brings a lot of questions that I don't even know the right questions to ask, let alone how to answer. We used to do some test plots for local Pioneer, and it would just be funny because you'd be doing this test plot in the winter and you'd have these tillage radish. The leaves would yeah. be two feet, just these huge Looked like some prehistoric dandelions, just massive. And it was hilarious because one, they would be with the pickup and away wagon driving around the field. And we had the grain cart chasing the combine, you know, so you didn't have to shuttle the combine. And then they would just pull the sample out of the grain cart. And then other times when we didn't have the grain cart, they used their way wagon and then they would run. But either way, they're running with the pickup is out in the field. At the same time, you'd go to a conventional till farm and the truck stayed on the road because that pickup stood no chance.